This is episode 67 of the 99 Forever podcast. I'm Eric Friesen, and I'm very excited to have as my guest today, the host of the Edmonton Oilers broadcasts on Sportsnet, Gene Principe. Gene, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. When I hear that number, I think of Benoit Pouliot, who used to play for the Oilers. And I'll tell you what, Eric, he was the fastest showerer, if that's a term I have ever seen. He would walk into the room and I'm telling you, now this is the old building. And 10 minutes later, he would be out the other, the backside and around and departing. Like, honestly, there'd be times where he'd be the first guy in the room. And while we waited for the room, we could kind of see down towards where the old TV studio was. And before there were enough players in the room for the room to open, which usually is around six or so players, uh, he would be showered and gone. Uh, Really good guy. I I really enjoyed Benoit. He was a pretty quiet guy, but a nice guy. And and the fastest uh, when it came to uh, leaving the ice, getting cleaned up and on his way home. Well, that's a great story just off the top of your head. And it's funny that you brought that up because it seems like it's happened several times where I've mentioned the number of the episode that we're on. And my guest has brought up a story of an Oilers player that they can remember from that jersey number. So that, that's great that you were able to share that story about Pouliot. Yeah, no problem. Automatically, <laughs> I haven't I haven't thought of Benoit Pouliot or his number in such a long time. So automatically, it came to me. Right. And I don't think too many Oilers have probably worn that. He might be the only one, actually. So I, I think you might be right on that. I I can't remember a 60. Oh, yeah, I don't remember that number being used by by anybody other than than him. Some of those numbers 13. in the 60s. That's my birth year, 67. Oh, okay, there you I, go. I, I know I know it and I'm familiar with it as well. Perfect. Well, Gene, you know, we're getting close to the best time of year in oil country with the Stanley Cup playoff just days away. But before we discuss the Oilers, I'd first like to just hear a little about your own broadcast career and some of your memories of following the Oilers growing up. So uh, just as a kid in Edmonton, what was it like to be a hockey fan in the 1980s with the most talented and most exciting team ever assembled in your city? Well, it was wonderful. And I I think, uh, you know, when the 1980s, started or we we got into the early part of the 80s or Wayne Gretzky had arrived in 79 and, and his WHA season and or NHL uh in 1979 after a start with the WHA so I would say the WHA was something uh, I was quite young back then that I was familiar with um I I don't think a the TV access certainly was uh back then what it is now but I was familiar with the AFCO Cup and knew some of the Oilers as they made their way through the WHA, but then got to the NHL and it was, you know, the biggest show in North America on ice. So between me getting a little older and the NHL arriving, it was kind of great timing uh, to be a young person in the city growing up and watching, you know, Wayne and Paul and Grant and Kevin and Andy and Mark and Yari and Essa and, you know, just a, bunch of them and so on and Charlie and so on and so forth. So yeah, it was fantastic. I I mean, I'll never forget being at a a Stanley cup final game. What I have forgotten is how I got in there, which makes me think I snuck in, but I don't, (laughs) I'm not a hundred percent sure. I don't think a middle-class family like ours would have been able to afford the NHL cup final tickets. But I remember seeing God bless him, Don Whitman, who was a longtime uh, caller of the great cup on CBC and and longtime hockey uh, play-by-play out of Winnipeg for Hockey Night in Canada. 
And I remember him walking downstairs from the catwalk where the press box was. And he was in his powder blue. Um, oh, the old jacket, Hockey Night in Canada jacket. Hockey Night in Canada jacket. And I said, one day I want to work on that and wear that jacket. Now, I never got the jacket, uh, but I have had the opportunity to work on Hockey Night in Canada. And that's one of a kind of a broadcasting memory before I was a broadcaster. One other one I have uh, was one time I was out and hard as it is to believe Wayne Gretzky was right beside me at this bar and I would have been well 18 19 and the Oilers had acquired Mike Krushelniski from Boston now Eric nowadays uh fans probably within minutes of the media who are watching practice know who's in that who's starting lineup is it 12 and 6 is it 11 and 7 uh we never we never knew that back then it just wasn't information that was released or maybe there wasn't really an avenue for it. So anyways, I was beside Wayne and it would have been mid to late September. And uh, we were getting ready for a hockey draft with my buddies. And so I said to him, you know, Wayne, he, Mike Krusalneski, blah, blah, blah. He goes, goes, he's actually going to be on my line, on my wing. I oh, said, wow. oh, okay. So then about six rounds into our draft, I took Krusalneski to too much sort of, uh, I, you know, sometimes when they ridicule you, that's because they wish they had taken him. Uh, but who knew if it was going to turn out to be good? He ended up having an 88 point season and I won the draft. Uh, thanks to Wayne Gretzky, just uh, being <laughs> beside him at a bar. So, uh, let alone watching them, uh, and enjoying what they provided on the ice. Uh, it was, and still as Edmonton is, is small enough. And back then I think they were more accessible that you could just bump into them. Um, kind of anywhere and uh so anyway some some neat memories and what's really neat eric is i've i have wayne gretzky's phone number which next to you know <laughs> helping uh, be a part of producing three kids might be one of the most exciting uh things in my life uh wayne is the great one not just because of his numbers but because of the guy that he is uh truly a special person an unbelievable a special player so it was a great time i guess is my long answer to wrap it up to be in Edmonton during the eighties when the orders were doing what they were doing. Oh, for sure. And that's a great story. I mean, how many kids at that age have the opportunity to rub shoulders with the greatest hockey player who ever lived it? I, I can only imagine what that would have been like. I was born in 89, by the way. So I missed out on the dynasty years. I was alive for one Stanley cup, but, uh, and I know you've had the opportunity to interview Wayne Gretzky. I would think quite a few times I, I can remember one that you did when he was still a part of the organization um maybe five years ago or so on the oilers website uh but just having the chance to meet him do you when you when you think ahead to your career all those years later and, and getting to sit down and talk to the great one i i won't say starstruck but do you ever have like a moment of like wow like this is what i'm doing for a living i'm getting to you know interview a hero of mine, you know, the greatest hockey player ever. Honestly, uh, Eric, virtually every day, I feel like that. I'm a uh, Edmonton kid uh, born of two Italian immigrants who came to this country looking for a better place uh, to help raise and further not just their lives, but more importantly, their kids' lives. And, you know, my dad uh, built houses for a living and my mom sewed drapes uh, far from being some 
extravagant lifestyle, but I love sports. Uh, soccer was number one and hockey was number two, but I love, you know, playing tennis and playing basketball and volleyball. It didn't matter the sport. Uh, that's just kind of what I grew up to love. And so many of my friends were exactly that same way. And I, I'll never forget we were in Nashville. By the way, good memory, that interview was in Tampa uh, with Wayne Gretzky that we did right. for the Oilers uh, website. So good on you for remembering that. And yeah, I remember the first time I actually kind of interviewed Wayne. Certainly grew up watching him, uh, meeting him at, at a bar or two. I, I remember you'd run into Essatikanen and Craig Simpson and all these guys. I mean, they were just, they were out, right? You know, at the time, you kind of think they're a bunch older than you. But like Craig Simpson and I are, I think, two weeks apart in age. The difference was, while I was, you know, starting my career at 20 or 21, he was playing in the National Hockey League and, yeah. and uh, you know, winning Stanley Cup. So, uh, but for sure, Wayne, uh, unbelievable. Like I can text Wayne and he replies, not because I'm any kind of special person. That's the kind of person that he that he is. When Connor reached 150 points, I text Wayne and said, hey, you know, do you think I could get just kind of a quote? And he's like, well, how about if we FaceTime? And I was like, oh, wow. Oh, oh my gosh. I go, you know, as weird as it sounds, Wayne, we don't have the technical capabilities for an intermission to get your FaceTime sort of on air with us. So that was kind of weird saying in in a way, no to Wayne Gretz. Yeah. He's like, oh, no problem. You know, he's he's wonderful, you know, and, and I remember we were in Nashville pre-pandemic when he worked for the organization i would say 2018 and we, we had covered practice and we were we were st he knew who we were we knew who he was of course uh but still sort of developing a, a working and uh relationship and i guess friendship and he just turned around to a bunch of us media says hey who wants to go for lunch and i was like oh, oh my gosh Wayne gretzky just asked indirectly me uh to go for lunch but the first time i i kind of interviewed him was when the Winnipeg Jets were in the process, I was in Winnipeg. They were moving 95, 96, but we didn't have a lot of details. I was hosting the Jets games and I was in my studio, which was an adjacent dressing room to the visiting dressing room when he played for the Kings. And he kind of poked his head through the door and said, do you mind if I sit here? And I'm thinking, Wayne, you could sit on my lap if you want. It doesn't matter to me. You can sit wherever you want. I love you, my friend, you know? And I'm like, oh yeah, sure. And it was so cool, you know, Eric, no microphones, just him and I me really not invading his time or privacy, but him asking me questions about Winnipeg and, you know, what's happening, are they moving? And all this while he was taping a stick and just one of the cool moments uh, because of where I was, where I'm from, who he is, what he meant to me growing up and now into my 50s. So uh, for sure, I do not take any of this for granted and uh, have to pinch myself sort of every day when I think of this small town Edmonton kid who was an average athlete ending up covering the best athletes uh, in the world or some up. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, that's a great story too. I, I love anytime you can hear, uh, I can hear a Gretzky story as I'm sure you can guess from the name of my podcast. It's yes. named after him. He's my hero. It's a, a life goal of mine to get to meet him. I was in the same room as him one time in 2010. Oh. He and uh, he and Gordy Howe were here for the Saskatoon Kinsman yes. dinner. Yeah, I remember so, that. Yeah. So you know, for a kid making uh, about ten bucks an hour at Safeway to save up for uh, to go to that dinner was uh, was an expensive night, but I I couldn't miss the opportunity to uh, get the chance to at least hear my hero speak, and as well as Gordy Howe too, who's a legend. And yeah, just yeah, that's fantastic.
And, you know, hearing you talk about how accessible Wayne was and asking you questions about yourself, you know, uh, when I was going to sports journalism school in Toronto six years ago, I happened to run into Darnell Nurse at a Blue Jays game. Oh, yeah. And he was waiting for his girlfriend. So he was just standing there and I was waiting uh, for someone as well. And we just ended up having a 10 minute conversation and he would ask me questions about myself too. And I'm thinking like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm the one that's the fan of you and yeah. you know, you're, know, you you're being such like a, a kind person to like take this time out. So it, uh, it, it's great to see that, that that sort of tradition through the Oilers has been passed down. Yeah. Darnell's a wonderful guy. He's one of my favorites. I mean, you know, I feel like a, a dad with 20 plus kids, <laughs> they're all your favorites, right? Sometimes more than others, depending on what's going on, but right. Darnell's a real nice, you know, his, his mom, Kathy and dad, Richard, uh, for some of your older listeners who would remember his dad played in the CFL was quite a special teams returner and wide receiver and, and mom played basketball. Of course, we know, Kia played basketball and still does. And the older sister plays basketball. And then the cousin plays hockey and the, the uncle played in the NFL. So it's one of the most athletic groups of people you'll ever meet anywhere, oh, yeah. any time. But Darnell, I got a lot of time for Darnell because he's a real upbeat, positive, um, friendly, engaging young man. That Yeah, I would, I would totally agree from my one interaction with him. And uh, Gene... Over the course of your career at Sportsnet, you've probably interviewed thousands of people. And Wayne Gretzky, as we already talked about, is a uh, one that would stand out. Is there maybe one or two other individuals that you could say that that was sort of like a, an interview that, that you really remember that you did? Yeah, I think three. In fact, uh, 2001, I went to Las Vegas um, and John Ruiz was the belt holder in the heavyweight division and he was going up against a boxer out of Halifax for sure Nova Scotia and I think Halifax Kirk Johnson and uh you know Kirk never won that fight and eventually didn't sort of maybe reach the expectations that people had for him but I had a chance to interview Don King uh again for for some of your listeners who may not remember Don King was is like a promoter to end all promoters uh in fact he's he's sort of uh, mimicked uh in uh, i can't remember which rocky i don't know if it was rocky i think four. it's rocky five five or, okay. yeah yeah rocky five i get my rockies mixed up <laughs> and uh honestly eric i i think i asked one question and he went on and talked about maple syrup and the royal canadian mounted police and dudley do right and the snow and it was, you know, I really wish I had that interview because I would just watch it just to prove to myself that it actually happened. Because back then we weren't sort of there was really no internet per se, and we weren't running things on the internet, and things would run on TV and sort of be gone. And oh, if I had that, I just would be one of my keepsakes because. We're in Vegas, and he's just rambling on and on, and I barely said anything. Uh, and then where I had a little more say were two interviews, uh, Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods. Uh, Michael Jordan, I'll never forget. I was working in Toronto covering the Raptors, and back then at the Skydome, and, and maybe they do it now, but uh, it's called Rogers Center. They, the bus would drive in underneath, and so they would park 100 feet from the dressing room kind of area. And, Michael got off the bus and I was with the cameraman and he's like, okay, it's like now or never. And in the TV business, we call it a walk and talk. Yeah. So, you know, we're walking and we're talking. It virtually explains itself. And 
honestly, uh, I nearly peed myself with, I guess, excitement, nerves, uncertainty. It would have been, uh, you know, right at the height. It would have been like 95, I think, when I did the interview. I worked in Toronto from 95 to 98. So that was like, wow, I I just, it's Michael Jordan, right? Uh, And then Tiger Woods, it was in Toronto as well. And uh, he had sort of a kind of one of those sponsor events where he gets paid X amount of dollars and comes to the event and I had a chance to interview him. And that would have been, I, that would have been early two, uh, like two, 2001, 2002, I would say. So he'd won his first masters, I think 97, but I could be off. Uh, I'm not a huge golf fan, but I certainly recognize some golfers and yeah, I'm interviewing Tiger Woods. So I think, you know, along with Wayne, those would be sort of right off the top of my head, the three that would, would stand out. I'm sure if I, once we're, we're done and I think about it further, I might come up with someone else, but that would have been, uh, well, I did interview David Hasselhoff once. Okay. Um, were you a big Baywatch fan in the nineties oh, too? was I? Yeah. Not so much for <laughs> David. I, I have to admit, uh, but I enjoyed the beach scenes <laughs> yeah. and, uh, also, uh, the Canadian kid on uh, Beverly Hills, 90210. Jason Priestley. Jason Priestley. You know why I, I did some, I'm a nineties kid. So I, I remember a you lot would of know these. right away. And, uh, he was a big and, hockey fan too, yes, right? Yes, big hockey fan. And I interviewed him. He was in Calgary uh, just shooting a movie, uh, which is what Hasselhoff was doing too. So, um, yeah, so those are some of the, just as we're talking here, my memories uh, coming back to me. So there's a there's a group, a handful of people that uh, your, uh, wow. your listeners would certainly recognize. Yeah, I, I definitely didn't think we'd be talking about uh, Baywatch and Beverly Hills 90210 in this interview, but yeah, two, two of my favorite 90s shows. Um, and, you know, after working in Winnipeg and Toronto for several years, uh, what was the feeling like when you returned to Edmonton in 1998 and had the opportunity to cover the Oilers? Well, I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better professional or personal move at that time in my life. 98, I would have been 31. And I was kind of at that point in my career where, um, you know, it was either go home or go big. And, and Toronto was big, but I wanted bigger. It was about trying to get to, you know, the U.S. and get into a, a market there and, and start to work your way up. I was at the point in my broadcast time of 11 years that I really wanted to push, you know, found an agent. Mm-hmm. And, and then along came what was a new station at that time, A-Channel. And they had been on the air one year and then we're looking for a hockey host. And I was kind of, there was a lot going on back then. Uh, uh, someone had left uh, TSN and uh, I had applied for the job. And I was, as I remember, like it was yesterday, they told me I was in their top 10. So top 10, not great if they're only hiring one person. So I got kind of the, you're not getting hired here. Uh, then Sportsnet was actually coming on board. And I got the, well, we like your work, but so then there was this little old A channel, uh, which was drawn to me by where it was, Edmonton, and what it was hosting the Oilers games back then. I think we did 28 games. So away we go. And at the same time, my wife's from Winnipeg. She was pregnant with her first son and literally found out sort of right in the mix of figuring out what I wanted to do job wise. And, uh, 
yeah, so away we went, you know, she was, uh, well, it would have been August and my son was born in February and we moved back to Edmonton. She, she not from here, but me from here. And here we are in August, it'll be 25 years later. So it gave me a chance to be around my family. Uh, gave me a chance to kind of, that's my dream job. You know, players yeah. we deal with often, Eric, it's my dream to play in major leagues or the NBA or the NHL. Well, my dream was to cover the NHL and do so at Edmonton. So uh, I couldn't have asked for really a, a better opportunity. And then after three years of doing that, Sportsnet really was was taking over the regional rights. And, you know, the best, luckiest move of my life then was moving from a channel to Sportsnet in 2001. You know, here was Sportsnet in 98, wouldn't hire me, uh, or I felt like they weren't going to hire me. But in 01, they were looking for a hockey host. And yeah, the rest, at least to this point, is history. Yeah. And, you know, you and I are similar in a sense, because when I was a kid, I, I had the dream as the same dream as most Canadian kids to play in the NHL one day. But by the time I was about 12 years old, I realized that mm. playing at the tier two level, I wasn't going to make it to the right. the show. So <laughs> I kind of uh, figured that if I if I couldn't um, play hockey for a living, I'd love to have the opportunity to talk about it. So that was a, a similar dream that you and I had. And, to you know, obviously one day have the opportunity to cover the Oilers would uh, would be a dream come true for me as well. So I, I love to hear that story. And I, I remember watching because I was 12 in 2001 when you started and uh, have followed your career all the way through. And I'm, I'm when I think back to your time, like covering the Oilers, that run to the final in 06 must have been a career highlight for you. It, it's still the most fun I've ever had watching hockey. And, you know, with last year being a close second, I just want to know, what are your best memories from that miracle run to the final 17 years ago? Well, I remember a couple of things. And by the way, you know, when I was growing up, I, I tried out for the provincial soccer team, the U16 soccer team in Alberta. And I wasn't the first cut, but I definitely wasn't the last cut. And at that age, that's when I thought, okay, my dream of, of and I was a house league hockey player, seventh defenseman. So that was out, but I was pretty good in soccer. Um, but not good enough to continue to sort of elevate to the, the highest ranks. So that's when I said, like you, Eric, I went, hey, if I can't play sports, I want to cover them. Mm-hmm. Uh, 06 was interesting. I actually, uh, if you can believe this, I was supposed to go to the World Cup of Soccer in 06. So it was in Germany, and I was scheduled to go. But in the meantime, I was going to cover the Oilers because they were playing Detroit. Detroit had, I think, 126 points. and They'd be the out well before. Story, Right, right. And so I'm like, okay, you know, they said, just cover like the first round and then take some time off because the, the, the trip to Germany was six weeks. So, okay, no problem. Well, they beat, they beat Detroit six. All right, well, I'll cover the second round. And that's fine. You know, it's, it's exciting. And so the second round, they lost the first two games and I thought, oh, okay, here comes maybe the end of the run. Well, they came back and, and beat San Jose in six. So now we're into the conference final against Anaheim, and I'm thinking, okay, now we're starting to get kind of tight for time with the World Cup. Well, I had to be there in advance. It starts beginning of June till the first week of July. So now they're starting. My bosses are asking me, what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, this is a tough one, you know. Um, I love this. Fernando Pisani, my paisan from Edmonton, was on fire and was the talk of the town, along with yeah. you know Chris Pronger, Dwayne Rollison, and Ryan Smith, and Sean Horkoff. Alice Hemsky, all those guys. And so it was really tough. And, 
and the other thing was from a personal standpoint, we had three kids, uh, seven and under. So um, a six week road trip was long compared to popping in and out of town for, uh, you know, two games here, one game there, you were home half the time. I said, I don't really know what to say. I mean, I'd like to do both. And they said, well, we can't, if they continue to win, you, you know, it's one or the other. And I said, okay, you guys decide. Because I, I think I, I'd rather you decide than me. And then they ended up deciding, there were three people deciding, two, one voted in favor of me staying instead of going to the World Cup. So they accredited somebody else who went to the World Cup. I ended up staying, the Oilers lost in game seven. Um, Italy, my, my, my country, uh, lost, or won, I should say, the World Cup in 06. So it was, uh, it was a real weird time because I could have been over there covering the World Cup. I stayed here to cover the Stanley Cup. Uh, Oilers made it so far and lost. Uh, Italy made it all the way and won. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's it's not like, hey, it's kind of like winning uh, the lottery. One was maybe worth a million and one w- was worth 15 million. So it, it was a wonderful time and experience. I think a couple things uh, that stick out, the, just the building, the, the city, the experience, the pandemonium, uh, the excitement of just the city. I remember my kids who hadn't been hockey fans at that point, two of them were kind of old enough, five and seven. They started asking about Ryan Smith and Chris Pronger and Fernando Pisani. And it just started a a new generation of fans. Uh, I'll never forget game seven, Ryan Smith walking off the ice and crying like he was, you know, a 16 year old kid or a 14 year old kid. Uh, That, that definitely sticks in my mind. Another one that does was after they won the Anaheim series in five, I was doing some live hits for Sportsnet and I had a bit of a break. I was by the Zamboni and I could see uh, Craig McTavish sort of walk by the area. And then he walked back. I finished. He came out to me. He gave me a hug and he said, we did it. We did it. <laughs> and I was thinking, I haven't done anything, but boy, do I ever feel like I did something. When you talk to me like that, I felt like I blocked the shot or maybe got in the way of a passing lane or scored a big goal. So th- those are a couple of things that I, I can remember along with the building shaking. It was kind of funny, Eric. I promise to wrap it up. I don't know why, but uh, I, oftentimes I would be down sort of in the bowels of the old arena, watching the tail end of the game, just kind of preparing for post game. And the, the TV that we had was about a five or six second delay. Uh, I knew that and so did others, but that's kind of the way it was set up. And so it was hilarious when they would score late or well score anytime, but especially later in like a triple overtime or an overtime, the goal would happen, the building would shake, and then we'd see it on TV. So it was almost like living it twice. Um, so yeah, lots of great memories of what was an unbelievable run. Oh yeah. I mean, and, and you listed all the big names from that run. So many memories of watching those guys. They're, they'll be heroes for me forever, uh, especially Ryan Smith. I, I actually had the opportunity to uh, interview him when I was an intern reporter in Lloyd Minster about five nice. years ago. And that's still the highlight of my broadcasting career to, to get to meet him and talk to him. And he's as amazing as you could have ever expected from the guy, just the most humble down to earth uh, person. You would never know that he was a, a former NHL all-star if, if, uh, if you didn't know uh, who he was. So yeah, just a, a great guy and a highlight for me. So when I hear you talk about interviewing Gretzky, that was sort of like my experience getting to talk to Smitty. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I remember once Ryan, uh, uh, I, I guess my shoes weren't up to, he was a sharp dressed guy and uh, 
I walked in and he said, Gene, come here. I went over there and I'm like, why? He goes, come on. I'm like, why? You got to be better. And I'm, what do you, I'm, I'm trying to think, what is he talking about? He goes, <laughs> and he kind of pointed down. He goes, your shoes. He goes, you got to be, they got to be, you know, they got to look better than that. You're wearing this nice suit. Look at those shoes. So after <laughs> that, I always would kind of keep, I'm not saying they're always as clean and as sharp looking as Ryan would like, but I'm always aware of my shoes and kind of how they match and how they look with the suit. So, yeah, no, Ryan, I got, you know, oftentimes, Eric, I'll get asked, who's your favorite oiler? Who's your favorite interview for an oiler? Right. And I've got lots of them, but Ryan would be like, right, you know, in that top three, top five, whatever you want to say. Uh, and I'm sure there's some spots that are tied, right? Like the tie for first, a tie for second. So, uh, really genuinely nice, uh, nice man. For sure. And as great as that 20 or 2006 run is, let's hope that the Oilers can have a similar run this spring. And I just want to ask you a little bit about last night's game. Now, as the Oilers wrapped up the 2022, 23 season with a five, two win over the San Jose sharks at Rogers place on Fran appreciation night. And with the victory, the Oilers recorded their fourth 50 win season in franchise history and matched the franchise record for longest winning streak at nine games. They also broke the NHL record for highest success rate on the power play at 32.4%. Stuart Skinner broke Grant Fears' franchise record for wins by a rookie goalie with 29, and Zach Hyman and Derek Ryan each played in their 500th career game. Gene, with all the milestones and records that were set last night, was that just the exclamation mark on the one of the best regular seasons in franchise history? Oh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it, and you could have kept going on and on the way this season. It's been a, such a milestone season. It's been, you know, it's been ridiculous how many milestones, how many career years and goals, assists, or points, or all of the three, the, the Stuart Skinner run, Darnell Nurse a career high in points, Zach Hyman and Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Evander Kane hitting 300, and then guys scoring their first goals as an order you know clean cost and, and I, I mean it's I, i've never seen anything like it honestly uh the way they finished not just i think it and and eric you 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 and your listeners may know better than me but i think they're 14 and one in their last 15. they are so to think about having 30 points available and having 29 of them and still not catching vegas <laughs> It just seems outrageous, but credit Vegas for being able to continue at least a you know a good enough pace uh, to win the division in the conference. I don't know what to say. I mean, and the, it, you know, if you're a cup half full, you're going couldn't be any better than this. And if you're cup cup half empty, you're going oh my gosh, they can't get any better than this. You know, so I, I've never. I mean, it's been unbelievable. And you know, you start with McDavid, and it's it's truly a treat. You know, people say, what's the job like? I'm like. I watch Connor McDavid every night. I, what do you, you know, I, I'm not sure I could say much more than that, let alone dry sidle and everybody else on the team. So I, I've had a wonderful, uh, enjoyable season watching them. I mean, we're all kind of curious how this will go in the playoffs. I, I do feel, I really do feel it's funny because I felt like they could win the Stanley cup last year, but I, I wouldn't say it pales in comparison, but it feels way different this year. For me, I'm speaking for me. I can't speak for Leon and Connor and, and, and fans who are in and out of oil country. But for sure, there's just a, something about, I really think, you know, sometimes you say, I think they can do that. But it's almost like I, I think they should do that. Uh, we'll have to wait to see 
opponents uh, after Los Angeles, knock on wood, the potential injuries, the way they play. Uh, but I, I, I can't, <laughs> it's hard for me to believe they could be set up any better than they are individually and as a team than what's going on right now, what's been going on this season, especially kind of like the last three months, but in particular, I would say the last six weeks. Yeah. When you look at what they've done in the last six weeks, like you said, uh, I think even if you go back to early January when they were barely clinging to a wild card spot, how many people would have predicted they would finish one point back of first place in the Western Conference? It's just been an incredible second half of the season, and they've pretty much put that tough start to the year behind them very quickly and went on multiple 11 game point streaks with the most recent one reaching 15, as we said. So uh, just an incredible run by the Oilers. And just speaking of McDavid for a second, he made history last weekend by reaching the 150 point plateau. And you actually tweeted out a, a picture of the puck. He scored his 150th point with it in San Jose. So McDavid became only the sixth player in NHL history to record 150 points in a single season and the first since Mario Lemieux in 1995-96. And last night he etched his name in the record books again when he became only the fifth player in NHL history to be the outright leader in goals, assists, and points in a single season and the first since Wayne Gretzky in 1986-87. Gene, McDavid has just continued to improve upon his offensive production each year since he entered the league in 2015. But did you ever foresee him finishing north of 150 points and winning the scoring title by this wide of a margin? I would be telling a bit of a fib if someone said before the season how many points you think McDavid could get. If I remember correctly, I think I was in the 130, maybe up to 140. Because I always see Leon as being about not always, but potentially at 20, 20, about 20 points less than, yeah. than Connor, kind of in there. So I thought, you know what, to me, Leon's 100 points, easy. So Connor's 120, add 10, 110, 130, maybe it's 115 and 135, somewhere in that vicinity, possibly up to 140, possibly, but no, and 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 I'm not saying that was a ridiculous estimation, not, but I would think that was probably on the higher end. I don't know, I, I'm not sure if some said that he could hit 150 but uh, i mean unbelievable like it it, <laughs> it feels like we're watching almost an era gone by of these kind of totals i didn't know if i'd ever see a 150 point scorer in the nhl in in my time as a fan because by the time that i was fully following the nhl they were in the dead puck era by then. So yeah. the, the the incredible point totals of the eighties and early nineties were sort of a thing of the past by then. So even to see the leading scorer get into the low hundreds, uh, that was sort of what you expected the top players in the league to do, but to see Leon finish with 128 as well, Connor, of course, getting 153, uh, Nugent Hopkins finishing with 104. It just, the list goes on and on. It's, we've been treated to such great hockey. And I think this is the closest that Edmonton has seen to those glory teams in the 1980s uh, in the past 30 years. Oh, yeah. And I, I mean, I don't know what, I don't know, does he have a 170-point season in him or five more of 150? I remember that stretch where Wayne in five years, five seasons, had over 1,000 points, four seasons, 200-plus. And then that one season, he only had 196. Like, <laughs> so I don't know if we're at the start of a run where Connor gets – you know, 153 and 148 and 161 or I guess we'll have to see but with him you 
you know, never say never because I don't even know what, he, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if he has a number in mind, but maybe he surprised himself a bit. Maybe he didn't. I don't know when you get into that stratosphere of numbers. And it did remind me of the days where, and it could have been Wayne, could have been Mario, others who would pile up points, but in particular those two, and Wayne more because I watched Wayne right. uh, more often than Mario. But, you know, they'd win and you'd go, oh my gosh, he had four points. And he didn't even, like, it, 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 you, know, you hardly noticed him. And, and the San Jose game, I thought, was kind of like that. Now, he got his 150 points. So, of course, we were, we were very excited about covering that. But it didn't seem like he had his Connor McDavid A game. And yet, the game finished and he had three points. So, I, it's been obviously a treat. And I, I, this year, more than ever, I don't know why, maybe because of the season he's had, maybe because he's a year older and I'm a year older, but I, I kind of thought, you know what? I wouldn't mind retiring when Connor retires uh, because I'm not sure I would, I would be wanted to, to go through another rebuild. Um, I don't know how many more years Connor would play. I would think at 26 to me, he's, he's a guy that would play till he's 35, almost minimum knock on wood, barring any kind of serious injuries. So that might work. Uh, timing wise hopefully it gives me a heads up and that i'm still here and if that's the case we do the old all interview of last time mic drop so long everybody you know he's retired go. and i'm retired <laughs> enjoy you know the, the the new captain and whoever the new host will be on sportsnet there you go and you know i don't know if he has these numbers in mind either but i've talked about this on previous episodes that uh, there's there's a couple of things I really would like Connor to achieve from an individual standpoint. Of course, as, as, from a team perspective, winning the Stanley Cup is the ultimate goal, and hopefully he'll be adding one in a, a couple months here. But um, I'd like to see him become only the second player to hit 2,000 career points. Yeah. And, you know, if he has another 150-point season next year, he's already at 1,000 by age 27. And the question is, can he get another 1,000 after 27 and i think if he plays closer to 40 let's even say he does play to 40 that gives him 13 years to get a thousand more points i i I really believe if he's averaging say 125 for the next four or five years that gives him a good shot in his 30s to be just a point per game player through uh, and and have a, a realistic chance of getting there and the other one would be how close can he get to gretzky's record of 10 art ross trophies he's halfway there as of right now I know. I, know. I don't know if he's got. I was heartbroken when he didn't get to, well, first the rookie season, he, you know, he couldn't yeah. get to 100. But then uh, when he finished at 97. In the pandemic here. Pandemic, and he had missed a couple games. And so he didn't get to, he didn't get to 100. I know. That was I, a I tough remember, one, too. I remember as a kid, uh, Glenn Anderson was my favorite player, and he got to 99 one year. He didn't get mm. to 100. I was so disappointed. Um, I guess for him and just that, that he didn't get there. He was so close. And but so, I believe he had two other 100 point seasons as well. And you know, Glenn's the kind of guy, I don't think numbers mattered to him. He finished with 498 goals. Yeah. I think he could have come back and played somewhere for two goals, but yeah, I I'm a big fan of that sort of that, that streak of, of, you know, hundred points every season for X amount or Art Ross trophies. And I I'm with you. I would love to see him, you know, to get to 2000 would be, I mean, incredible, but you know, when you, when you lay it out like that, you got to be really good for a really long time and healthy, it's, it's amazing and healthy. Right. And, and he's putting up incredible numbers. So if he, you know, I would say 
next year I'm with you because he finished the season just over 850, right? 852, somewhere in there. Uh, he's exactly at 850. So he needs 150 on the dot to hit a thousand next year. So that'll be something he'll be chasing, you know, knock on wood, as you said, that he's healthy. So then let's say it's another 150. He's at a thousand points. He's 27. Mm-hmm. Then that next year be 28. Um, so I think he's going to continue. I think he can get 120 points for five years. Five more years. That's 600 more points. Yeah. Now that leaves you at 32, 33. That's 1600 points. Go, yeah. Right. So for 400 more to go. Yeah. So, you know, very possible, but my gosh, like that shows you how good you have to be and for how long it is not easy to be at the top of your game and that's you know the old story like wayne when he was retiring and his dad said are you sure wayne he goes dad right i i i used to have nine goals in a weekend now i got nine yeah i game. i remember that quote too when, that, when he knew that he was t- time to yeah. retire it's a wonderful story right and at the end yeah. wayne was still i think his final season he still was at a point per game two seasons before that or three he was at less than a point per game he was injured he and led he the league up- in assists in his second last season there you go. See, so um, he still had it. He still could have played. But when you think of it, he was 38. Like he played a long time. And it's funny now when you talk to him about uh, alumni games or outdoor games that have, you know, the, the, the part of it that, that deals with the legends of the game. And he's like, I'm done. Like, you know, Wayne's not out skate three times a week. Imagine no. how many hours he spent on skates. Oh my gosh. Uh, so he's, he's finished, you know, yeah. regarding playing. He's, he's, he's who he is and does a wonderful job on television. And uh, so I would love to see Connor kind of get to that kind of stage in his career where he starts to be in all of those television graphics where it's consecutive hundred point seasons or winners of the art Ross, or like, I think Bobby Orr, if I'm not mistaken, I think he won seven or eight straight Norris trophies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I understand back in the day, there weren't 32 teams, but he was, he was the, the defense Connor McDavid. And then Paul Coffey, who to me, I, I didn't watch Bobby Orr at the height of his career. I kind of caught him at the tail end. He finished mm-hmm. in Chicago. Uh, but Paul Coffey to me is, uh, well, top 10, 15 player all time, top three, four defensemen, if not second. I think he's very time. underrated for, you know, one of the greatest defensemen. And I had the chance to meet him in Saskatoon about 10 years ago too, nice. at a, at another dinner where he was uh, here and uh, a great guy, Grant fear too. Grant fear. I still consider the, the nicest uh, at pro athlete I've ever met. Yeah. Uh, and, guy, yeah fantastic person. Um, but uh, I guess just the last thing I want to ask you, and I didn't plan on asking you this, but you, you sparked a, a question for me. Uh, the heritage classic is coming back to Edmonton next yeah. fall. First time in 20 years, uh, you'd think with a, a player like McDavid that the Oilers would be in one of those outdoor games every year and have the chance to showcase them as much as possible. They they were at one uh, in the fall of 2016 in Winnipeg, which I had the chance to go to. And it's the only time that I've ever seen Wayne Gretzky play live was in that alumni game. So it was an opportunity that I couldn't miss. And I didn't know that if I'd have another chance. So my last sort of question for you is for the upcoming Heritage Classic in 2023, we're now seven years on even from that 2016 game. 
how many of the 80s legends do you expect will participate in the alumni game? And do you wow. think we will see Gretzky there or will he just be sort of an ambassador for the event? That's a great question. I mean, I think Wayne, if, if anything, will put him back on skates. That would be it. I think, Messi. you know, I think some of these guys, uh, like all of us, I guess, when we have a challenge or an opportunity in front of us, you you kind of rise to the occasion. And I, I think that that would be the case uh, for Wayne and Mark. Well, Mark, by the way, looks, I mean, he looks like he could still play. Uh, and Glenn Anderson, uh, Paul Coffey, like I know Paul does still plays. He's he's around the Oilers. He's like uh, an advisor uh, for the team and he still uh, laces the skates up. And uh, the goalies might be a little more challenging for the Fuhrers or the, or the Moogs. Maybe Bill Ranford comes back from the 1990 Cup Championship. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, when you're talking about 2023, uh, Wayne is 62, Mark, I think is 61, 62. Like everybody is now yeah. kind of in that, uh, moving into the early mid. I know Kevin Lowe is going to be 64 right away. So I think this might be, Eric, that, that last sort of when you get these guys together mm-hmm. and you get them on the ice together and they have a bit of a last hurrah. Um, considering the game, the setting, the location, um, I, I think it's going to be wonderful. I remember the one in 03. Oh, was that cold? Yikes. <laughs> my gosh. Uh, in fact, my wife, uh, I was able to get a couple tickets. She went with a friend and they sat through both games. Oh, wow. And the first game wasn't bad because it was sunny. And but the second game, I mean, it was. It was freezing. So uh, I don't believe it's going to be that cold this time. They made a better decision having it a month earlier this time, too. Yes, I would agree. You know, so it's going to be a wonderful time to have all of these people and players uh, stroll back into the city and to have Connor McDavid as the the centerpiece of the whole thing, along with Drysaddle and the team that they have. Uh, It's going to be wonderful. You know, it'll be kind of. Not the end of an era, but because of I think the uh, uh, the age of those boys on the bus might be the last time ice wise you get them as many as them together to be on there and play in the form of an alumni group. So be a ton of fun. Oh, definitely, and I I plan on being there in uh, October for that too. So, uh, Gene, I just want to say thank you again for taking the time to be on the show today. Uh, it's been a, just a true pleasure to get to talk to you. You were one of my inspirations to get into the sports broadcasting industry from a young age. And um, you've had so many great stories about Gretzky and the eighties legends and the Oh six run. And just uh, it's just been a, a great opportunity to talk to you. So I just want to say thank you again for taking the time. Yeah, you know what? You're welcome. Been my pleasure. Lots of fun, Eric. For sure. And I'm hoping that you'll have a long spring ahead of you of covering the Oilers yet. Me too, buddy. (laughs) Okay. So for Gene Principe, I'm Eric Friesen. This has been the 99 Forever Podcast. We're out.